Call from mom. Answer it. Call silenced. Instacart knows nothing gets between you and the game. That's why they make ordering from your couch easy. Stock up today and get all your groceries for the week delivered in as fast as 30 minutes without missing a minute of the game. You have 47 new voicemails. Download the app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. Welcome to Speed City with John Massengill, Les Kaiser, and Jonathan Green. It's the fastest hour on the radio. Speed City. Good evening, gearheads. Welcome to your Sunday night with Speed City. This is John Massengale sitting in the studio in Austin, and I am joined by Jonathan Green and Les Kaiser via Zoom. How's it going, Mr. Green? Mr. Kaiser, are you there? Great. Well, it was an exciting weekend of motorsports. We had 24 hours of Le Mans coverage. I watched a giant chunk of that. IndyCar Saturday night on the Oval under the lights. That was awesome. And we've got lots to talk about tonight. We got, we're going to talk some Formula One because we're going to continue the discussion about the second race possibility here in Austin. We also have a fantastic guest. We have Will Power, who we got to interview a couple of days ago before the, this, this weekend's race, after his big win and had a blast with him. We talked about all sorts of stuff. Talked about Roman Grosjean and his and his uh, success this year. Talked about uh, Will Powers a little bit frustrated with the season, but uh, but I had a good day yesterday as well. And then we also have about to join us. Speaking of Lamar, we have a Lamar winner, and we're going to go straight to him because we got an Austinite who's won Lamar before back in 1990. We have Mr. Price Cobb. Price, welcome back to the show, buddy. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for having me. I'm not sure that Lamar should take uh, precedence over, over those other races, but I'm here and happy to be here. Well, of course, we're happy to have you. And uh, yeah, I was right. What, 1990, right? Yeah, sure enough. Everybody quit. I was left there holding the, holding the cup. <laughs> you are so humble. You can never take any credit, Price. What, what are you holding there, Mr. Kaiser? Did we lose less? <laughs> what is that? It's a it's some sort of trophy for what? Twenty four hours. Yeah, of lemons. All the cool people have them. You losers, <laughs> whatever. <laughs> well, you're right. We don't have that one, but uh, I still don't know what it was. But it's some sort of trophy for twenty four hours. Here's a thank you gift. Is what it was for not showing up. I think. Okay. Well, Price, what did you think of the Le Mans race this weekend? It was, uh, it was certainly it was twenty four hours, and actually, I should I'm not even going to joke because it was it was great as usual. I mean, you have to, you know, every year is different, so sometimes it's you know edge of the seat nail biter, but nonetheless, 
I don't care how you slice it. It's tough, guys. It's really tough. And, and to see them all have to start the way they did the first few laps after that deluge. And, and you know, if you haven't practiced in the rain, it's crazy talk. So <laughs> the fact that more accidents didn't happen, I was surprised. But then let's, you know, let's skip over for now. Sophia Porsche's horrible accident. And then let's get right to the end. There's nothing more heartbreaking than to be leading the race in LMP2 on the last lap with 100 yards to go in your car stopping. Now, come on. I, I know. Uh, that that was heartbreaking. I, I can't even imagine. I, you know, it's beyond. And I know that most people, you know, okay, 24 hours is 24 hours. But, but it's truly, uh, except for me, it's truly more difficult than you think because, you know, it's emotional. It's physical, it's hot, it's cold, it's draining. It, you know, and particularly in LMP2, it was a heck of a race between many cars. You know, there wasn't really a runaway. You know, granted, uh, even if there was a little gap there, a whole slew of cars could have won that, that part. And in actual fact, as you guys know, it looked like, let me back up. Some people thought that LMP2 cars were going to win outright. That didn't happen, but nonetheless, to go that I either want to be out of the race right off the bat so I can make my dinner date with my buddies, <laughs> yeah. or I want to finish the race. I cannot fathom 100 yards to go after 23 hours and 59 minutes. I'm sorry. Price, let me ask you a question. Um, you know, when you won it, uh, you were with a factory Jaguar entry, Martin Brundle, all the rest of it. Um, what about James yeah. um, Glickenhaus and the, the achievement? that they did uh, to take on the world. Literally, he's a, a TV producer. I mean, heck of a, heck of a, an endeavor. Well, Jonathan, I'd have to agree with you. And, uh, you know, that was one of the things that, yeah, I, I'm sorry. I should have brought that up. If you stand back, if the world stands back and takes a look at what the Glickenhaus team uh, achieved in such short order, I mean, come mm. on. They took on the might of the world, Toyota and, in essence, Peugeot, uh, although they run under a different name today. Um, yeah. Amazing, Jonathan. And, and then, okay, they weren't quite quick enough. But come on, both cars finished the race. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. There's really almost no higher accolades that could be handed out to Jim and the group. Uh, and, of course, I hope they keep with it because if they started out this strong, I can only imagine. Yeah, heck it's, of a story. I've, I've been looking them up. I didn't knew nothing about them, and uh, you know, clearly, it's an incredible story. They raced the Baja, they raced the Nurburgring, and they only take on the hardest races. Yeah, no question. And I, to me, it was interesting. I never knew that they'd done Baja until a couple of years ago. And I, and forgive my ignorance, Jonathan and guys. I don't remember the class they run, but again, it's a purpose-built car by them to take on all comers in that class. And, and once again, heck, they've won that. So there you go. Amazing. Amazing. Yeah, an American t team doing this well. I mean, their goal, did you guys see the goal they set out, I guess, a year ago, is that they were going to go and beat Toyota. That was their goal. And, you know, everybody's going, you know, yeah, yeah, right. We're gonna, you're going to go beat Toyota. But, I mean, in that context, we're, no, no context at all. They, they really were impressive. They, that, that was incredible that they could do what they did. I mean, just to finish the thing. Yeah, and again, to finish not only – let me back up. Not only to finish, but to finish both cars. Uh, granted, uh, had a few difficulties. But I, I still point out to 
let's look at the difficulties that everybody has had through their team's sort of careers until they were victorious. Now let's back up and say we all know that achieving a BOP, a balance of power or performance, however you want to call it, that's truly you know, equal, it's still difficult. I don't care at the best of times. And, and you know, Glickenhaus' car was only was not a hybrid. So what can I say? They, all of it was magical to me. Well, I also think that Corvette should get a pat on the back for doing so well <laughs> and coming second in GT Pro. Don't no you think, far. John? <laughs> yeah, he's asking yeah. me. He's asking me that question, Price, because okay. I, I, I was watching this and everybody kept saying, oh, they should be so proud. They should be so proud. Everybody, all the commentators, they kept saying it all weekend long. They should be so And then the head, news headlines, oh, Corvette should be so proud. I'm like, oh, wait a minute. This is not like Corvette's first rodeo. And this it's is Corvette. By English people. This is Corvette. Yeah, it's a bunch of English people going, really what they're saying. The way I was interpreting that was, yeah, you guys in Corvette, you know, we're, we're happy we're not, you're not winning, you're not beating. And I know they're racing Ferrari, right? But still, Corvette's been on that top step of that podium many times at Le Mans. And, yeah, I, you're right. This is the new generation car. Now, they've had it. They've been racing it for a year now. But, you know, Corvette wants to win. If you ask everybody in that garage, are they proud right at that 24-hour mark? No, they're pissed because they didn't win. Right. And, well, well, I, I really think that, that attitude. <laughs> <laughs> I really thought you'd going to allude to our, to our uh, German correspondent said, oh, Americans in F1. <laughs> <laughs> what were you saying, Price? I'm going to say, Jonathan, uh, in the South, there's a saying that Southern girls have to say to other Southern girls, that's so nice. What it really means is basically, you know, raise the two fingers up, take a hike, cupcake. So <laughs> it sounds to me that's what English are saying to the Corvette. But still, I mean, come on, and guys. That, and that is John's point. It's, yeah. Oh, our, cha- yeah. our chaps from over the pond have come over with a little, a little C8 to try and take <laughs> on the might of Europe, and, and they did awfully well. Came very close. They should be so proud. <laughs> I hear you. He Price well, didn't have to deal with that. He was racing for Jaguar. <laughs> Shut up, Jonathan. <laughs> uh, he was. He was. He had that one loaded up in the gun before the show. I guarantee you, he did. <laughs> Uh, but, but all said, you, you know, they did finish ahead of Porsche, you know, <laughs> that's no mean feat in itself, as you pointed to out Jonathan, honest, earlier. Yeah. As you say, COVID has helped the C8 project, but they didn't just build the C8 in February, uh, run it at Sebring and then bring it to Le Mans in September. They've had two years to, you know, iron out the, cr- the, the, the cracks or whatever. Clearly it's a bullet. Uh, it's a very fast car. You saw it in a straight line against the Ferraris. They know what they're doing. Hey, Price Cobb, uh, what about the uh, the checkered flag man and his agility, uh, his abilities out there? What do you think about him at the end of the race? Well, you know, that was pretty spectacular. I'm sure it was as much of a surprise to him as it was for Sophia to get T-bone in the middle of the night. But all, all I can say is that some of those guys, and I realize that, you know, it's normal for everybody to kind of slow down the last lap or so. But if you're truly in a battle like that LMP2 car, I believe was still, uh, you know, you got to be careful. Every, all parties need to be careful. Um, that's all I can say. But, yes, it was an amazing feat for him not to get hit. 
Yeah, and, and of course, the reason he got hit is because Toyota, you know, has wrapped this thing up, and they're just you're strolling across the line and some of the other cars, too. And then the LMP2 cars are going, wait a minute, we're still in the battle here. And what was the final, what was the gap at the final? Was it 0.7 of a second? And the flag man yeah. was like, you know, he, he didn't yeah. realize what was happening. No. I mean, and again, historically, everybody closed down on the last lap and you know, all the corner workers are waving flags and everybody's out on the track. And there's no question it's dangerous, but I'm like you. You know, as, as good as the communications are today uh, by the organizers who really do a heck of a job. I mean, you know, I reflect back on when I was there. It's come a long way, gentlemen. But but back up to it. They should have said, hey, nobody, no funny business. We're still racing to the end because there's a position yet to be settled. Yeah, no doubt. Great. No doubt. And it, it was a little... Uh, amusing to see that, but he actually, did, I don't think he was about to get hit, but it was very scary and they probably should do something about that. So yeah. Hey, Price Cobb, um, we, we're bumping up to a break. Can you stay with us for a few minutes? Cause I, you know, we're yeah, going to, we're going to, we're going to shift gears and talk a, a little bit about some other topics here, including, which I didn't tease at the top of the show. Uh, yeah. A Hello. gentleman, a gentleman by the name of Andretti is talking about a formula one team. And I, <laughs> I want to talk about Mario. that too. But... Mario is going to be the driver. <laughs> yeah. What? <laughs> <laughs> All right, guys, we'll take a break. You're listening to Speed City Live from Austin, Texas, back after these messages. Worried about letting someone else pick out the perfect avocado for your perfect impress them on the third date guacamole? Well, good thing Instacart shoppers are as picky as you are. They find ripe avocados like it's their guac on the line. They are milk expiration date detectives. They bag eggs like the 12 precious pieces of cargo they are. So let Instacart shoppers overthink your groceries so that you can overthink what you'll wear on that third date. Download the Instacart app to get free delivery on your first three orders while supplies last. Minimum $10 per order. Additional terms apply. Hey, everyone. Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app. As a rider, you know what you like. The power, the feel, the ride. When it comes to gear, you know what keeps you safe. Ducati Austin provides riders with the finest in day and easy leathers. The best the market offers. Visit Ducati Austin on Breaker Lane just east of I-35 and throw your leg over the most iconic sports bike ever built. Ducati. Even take it for a test ride or see what's been described as art on wheels from MV Augusta. You know what you like. See it at Ducati Austin. Online at DucatiAustin.com. 
Winding Road Racing is your first and best choice for all the essentials for a great weekend at the track. We're racers, and we love helping racers. With a full selection of racing gear in stock, get geared up with all the safety equipment needed to meet all the latest Snell FIA and SFI regulations. Outfit your car with a comprehensive lineup of racing necessities, and when you need to find a few more tents, turn to data acquisition systems from AIM Sports, V-Box, and others. Austin-based with shops in California, Georgia, and Kentucky, the source for all your racing needs. Winding Road Racing, windingroadracing.com. Austin's Talk, 1370. Hi, this is Bob Varsha, commentator for sports cars, Barrett-Jackson, collector car auctions, and more. You're listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. We need to add Speed City commentator to that Bob Varsha resume soon. Hey, uh, Jonathan, I know you wanted to ask Mr. Price Cobb about this Andretti Formula One story. Yeah, well, while we've got a, a distinguished American driver on the show, one who has uh, crossed, the, crossed the, the generations over the years, and um, I think he will be very interested on this story, which came out two days ago, saying that Michael Andretti, is in talks to buy a Formula One team. And those teams that are potentially uh, viable are not Haas, although he had talks with Haas. They are Williams, Alfa Romeo, or Sauber. And he has not denied or said he is or isn't, but he said he's in talks and he is looking at it. And I just wondered, uh, Price, your thought on an Andretti name being back in Formula One. Well, clearly from my end, it would be sensational. And well, let's back way the heck up when it was all about Mario. So few people have been able to, in essence, drive anything. And a few come to mind, of course, Mario Andretti, you know, A.J. Foyt, Parnelli Jones. You could, own, you could argue Tony Stewart. Uh, and, and I can't, we all can't say that that wouldn't have been more prevalent today if people's contracts would let them do other things. But so having said that, and then, of course, I've known Michael not terribly well, but I got to run Michael's son, uh, you know, Marco, in a race car as as Marco was, was, you know, coming through the ranks and growing. So, you know, from my end, uh, I, I couldn't be more excited. Now, are you guys telling me, do you reckon it would be a second American team, or do you not know that yet? No, uh, it, it, he's had talks with Haas. They did not go to fruition, and so Haas turned him down as a potential. I'll be darned. So it would so, be a second team. Uh, that would be sensational. And, of course, you know, we look at the Andretti's today. Not that Haas doesn't know what's going on, but doggone it. I mean, you know, Michael and Mario both having been there, you know, it tells you a lot. They they know what to do. They, they And look at what they do today, what Michael accomplishes today with his teams across the world. A winner in every one of them. Yep. Yeah, you you got to you can't. I mean, Andretti is probably the most household name in America in racing. I I can't imagine. I mean, that's pretty hard to argue with. Um, I mean, but you think about the credibility that it brings worldwide too. I mean, you know, you think about the Haas team. Yeah, everybody knows Stuart Haas racing here in the states, and 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 I'm sure that it carries weight across the world. But man, Andretti. This would just be, I mean, this would be a dream as far as I'm concerned. And I think it would could attract drivers. And I think that's the next topic 
do we think that he could drag drivers like what Jonathan Colton Herta? Colton Herta and, and Alexander Rossi, who currently drive for him? Yeah. What do you think, Price? Oh, no question. I mean, so so obviously it would be exciting for us, uh, being bums from the USA, to see somebody in the United States being given an opportunity. Because I have for the longest time reflected back on it, e- even when I had a couple of kids living with us, learning to drive, and they kept dreaming about F1. And, and, and although what I'm about to tell you sounded defeatist or, or – uh, trying to talk them out of it, but I was a realist. So all I ever said was, guys, an American has a slim chance to ever race an F1. That doesn't mean no chance, but I think if you wish to move forward in the United States, let's do road racing and oval track racing just so you cover all bases and then go from there. So back to your question. It's super exciting for me to see the Andretti's and to hope that they would put one of their own American drivers in the car and give them a shot. So, Price, think about this. The conversation, let's say you're Michael Andretti and you approach Rossi or Colton Herta or any American driver and you say, we're about to do this. And to me, the driver is the key more than anything else to flipping the audience completely. We've seen a massive shift this year. And, Jonathan, I want you to talk about those stats. But but if you could go to Colton Herta, let's just say, say, Colton, what if you were the guy that was responsible for finally making Formula One a mainstream or close to mainstream sport? I'm not saying NBA, NFL, NBA, uh, uh, but level, but but close to mainstream, let's say. I mean, because you could almost put that weight on their shoulders and say, you know, that they could achieve that. Do you agree? Are you talking to me or Jonathan? Uh, you, you, Price. Oh, absolutely. And, and I'm not sure because I'm, I'm just not close enough as to which one of those guys it should be. But right now, if you pick one of the young Americans that clearly have the ability to win races, you know, in, in today's crazy times, I think it would be wholesale. I really believe that. I'd go with Colton out of that pair. Well, I've, Bryce, I've, got, one, I've got one more question for you. Your new the, the new uh, endeavor you're involved in, which is uh, drivetrains. Am I right in saying uh, that these are the sort of drivetrains we would see at Le Mans or in high? I mean, you know, high end cars. Tell us a little bit about what you're up to. Yeah, well, in my infinite desire to be retired, <laughs> I got I got asked by some guys in England, Jonathan, that make a fabulous carbon fiber brake system. Um, as we all know, a pure carbon fiber system like we find in race cars doesn't work on the street. So somewhere along the line, somebody infused ceramics and suddenly brakes work. So these guys knew in England, they knew that I used to test carbon fiber, I mean, pure carbon rotors when they first came to racing. So F1 was first and immediately everybody in the prototype world, you know, Le Mans world, so I tested, guys, I tested more than I'd ever care to tell you about, <laughs> relentlessly doing laps at Sebring with every manufacturer that was throwing their hats into the ring. So fast forward but to today. you had today, no teeth left. <laughs> uh, I mean, I had nothing. You know, you, you'd argue that I should be croaked over from black lung, but uh, because I'm sure I breathe as much as anybody in the coal mines, which is awful. I'm not trying to be funny. I'm just saying it's awful. But, again, all that's changed. You know, the brakes are not like they were. 
when we first started out. But so anyway, so my buddies from England reached out to me and says, we're not making the headway we should make. So will you give it a shot? I said, well, yeah, but I still want to work on motorbikes. So if I can hand the majority of it over to my buddy at uh, the Gearbox company, uh, HCF uh, Autosport, which makes uh, – so they're, they not only make gears and gearbox bits, I should say they're in the power transmission business. So it could be, mm-hmm. you know, cam gears that are, you know, that the crankshaft of a Honda racing engine, and I use that because they used to. Uh, Ducatis, uh, all kinds of people use bits that we make, and I say we – because if it makes sense for the parts to be made in Europe, we use uh, you know people in Europe and 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 well-known uh, Graziano and Chima we represent. So when we need stuff done in Europe, instead of us making it and dealing with the air airlines and whatever. So anyway, my point to you guys is that's they do produce stuff for many of the hypercar companies. We were, and I'm not going to name their name today, but we were approached by one of the most unbelievable hypercars that has just come out in the world that we've seen them doing stuff the last two or three weeks <laughs> to do, build them a bespoke transmission. And then, unfortunately, we weren't in the position today, even though we do bespoke stuff. So we had to, sadly for me, turn our backs on it and walk away. Oh. Mm. Well, it sounds exciting as heck that uh... – you are involved in that, so that, congratulations. Well, it is fun, and and I would say that's you know for me as an old person, that's the most fun doing you know, standing back and looking at technology uh, up until the day I'm pushing daisies up. <laughs> oh man, so so guys, you know here's here's how cool it gets is when you're like in your own garage working, and Price Cobb rolls up on the most beautiful Honda CBX practically like still under warranty and uh we had the best time just hanging out yakking bikes and stuff but he's off to a new adventure on a new bike price tell us how you're going to cross the country here well several things so yeah i've uh, purchased a new moto guzzi v85 so i like weird stuff <laughs> and you know y'all are going to laugh but to maintain a bike like that it's very simple unlike my ducati multistrada which i love uh, I would argue that was the best bike I've ever owned. But for an old person to take care of it, you know, it, it was too much. I wanted to ride more and work less. And that's not fair to Ducati, but I'm saying as an old person. And uh, so think about the Guzzi with the V-twin with the cylinders that peek out from underneath the gas tank. So I get on my little shop stool, roll up to it, pop the valve covers off, which are, oh, by the way, at chest height. And then work <laughs> on it. Oh, uh, yeah, it doesn't have a chain, so it's have a shaft drive. So it's an 850cc. And I'm going to ride it across the country on a thing called the uh, Trans-America Trail. It's 4,300 miles of dirt road. I'm, oh, I'm going to go through oh. Of dirt road? Holy mackerel, 4,300. Please tell me you're going with somebody. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. As a matter of fact, my neighbor, who's my buddy from high school, we grew up in Dallas. We both bought V85s together because we just want to get out to ride before it's time to, to have a dirt nap. <laughs> Wow, that's amazing. Uh, that doesn't, yeah, yeah. He's unsuccessful at retiring. Yeah, <laughs> he's unsuccessful at occupying a rocking chair, and and that's why I like this guy. <laughs> Let's give him Michael's the number. Let's give him Andretti's number. We'll get him back in work. Yeah. Hell no. <laughs> <laughs> 
Oh, that's amazing, Bryce. Congratulations. When do you yeah, leave? Yeah, good luck. We haven't quite decided that because obviously we need to start paying attention to what the weather's going to be like. And, uh, you know, I don't want to be out in, in the worst possible times and the worst, you know, the worst, some of the country's awful. And you can find all kinds of YouTube, you know, stuff to see what, what it's like to ride. And some people keep telling me, you need to ride something smaller. The problem is I've done, I've been lucky enough to do the Colorado 500, which is, you know, it was, it's really a charity ride. Uh, put on by the Dollenbachs for years in Colorado. But, and, and, you know, so I've ridden all the nastiest roads. I should say I, I've chewed on rocks on the ground because I, the bikes made me fall on the ground. I didn't do it myself. They made me. But yeah. this this road across the United States, there's enough sort of fire trails, if you will, uh, as opposed to nothing but rocks that I think the V85 is a perfect bike. You know, a lot of people do it on smaller bikes more enduro-based or actually, you know, uh, off-road, 100% off-road bikes, that's not for me. And, I, and I've and i ridden, you know, big enough bikes in the worst conditions that this is the right choice. Wow. Well, Price Cobb, uh, I hope you, that goes well. You need to check in from the road with us. How about that? And uh, yeah. <laughs> we'll see how it's going. Well, but... you know, we do that, that would be awesome. But meanwhile, <laughs> guys, you know, as I've said, I, I do follow you guys because that's where my real source of information comes, and I'm not kidding you. And so I look forward to see the development of this Andretti thing and wherever the rest of the racing life takes. Well, you can know that we will be following that story extremely closely. So, well, Price Cobb, thank you, buddy. We appreciate your Lamar you input. We appreciate everything, and I look forward to seeing you in person sometime soon. Okay, guys. Safe, Thanks buddy. so much. All right. Yeah. All right, well, That's coming up, surprising. we got to take a break, but after the break is our exclusive interview with the one and only Will Power. And you're listening to Speed City live from Austin back after these messages. I am an official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I'm here to say it's time to get personal, people. Tell the world who you are with a personalized plate from MyPlates.com, like me. I'm talking favorite color, favorite team, favorite charity, and, of course, favorite state, Texas. Add your own message, and then the magic really happens. I'm the official Texas license plate from MyPlates.com, and I want to be your license plate. Go to MyPlates.com and order me today. Now that's what I'm talking about. When you're looking for traditional Tex-Mex, look no further than an Austin favorite, one in a million. Serving original family recipes since 1980 and located just minutes from downtown at 2300 East Cesar Chavez, one in a million has your Tex-Mex fix every day of the week from 7 a.m. to 3 p.m. Breakfast is served all day. Homemade migas, enchiladas, and menudo. And try the Don Juan taco. Some say it's big enough to feed a family of four. One in a million. Online at oneinamillion.com. Austin's Talk 1370. Hello, I'm Jenny Gow from BBC F1. You are listening to Speed City. Welcome back to the fastest hour in radio, Speed City. All right, welcome back to the show. We are going to jump right into this interview that we did a couple of days ago with Will Power, and this was fresh off of his win at the Indy Road Course. So here's Will Power. 
Speed City fans, we are over the top excited to have our next guest after watching him win the IndyCar road course at Indianapolis, Will Power. Will, welcome to Speed City. Oh, thank you for having me. Well, we appreciate you coming on and congratulations for the win. Uh, it was really exciting watching you. And I'll tell you, Will, I had to, one of my favorite parts was watching your wife's face the last couple laps of coverage. It looked like you were winning your very first race. Uh, yep, she's, she's very invested in the results. So <laughs> she, um, she, yeah, she gets very nervous, obviously, but she also is getting nervous because she wants me to have a win. She knows that, uh, what it means to me and all that. So that's, that's why she's that way, but mainly she's that way for safety. She's seen me have quite a few broken bones and bad hits and crashes. So, yeah. Yeah, well, uh, I, my question is, uh, having watched your race for so many years now, um, how, how do you explain 2021? Because like you, you said in the press, you know, the team have supplied you a great car. It's just, I don't know, it's just a weird one. Um, what, what do you think has not been going right for you? I mean, IMS has always been good to you, but, but really it's been a weird season, hasn't it? Yeah, I mean, when you look at it, if you had a, you know, a win in Detroit and a top five at a double points race at Indianapolis, which Indianapolis was a brake failure and Detroit, the car didn't start. So if you add those points up, mm. that's a significant amount of points right there. And that would put me right in the hunt for the championship. So just unfortunate that those two races worked out the way they did. Uh, you know, just gave up massive points, and even just get, getting the Detroit one back puts me right back in the game and gives me a shot. So, um, yeah. Would yep. you argue I that have, it's it's gone? I was going to say I have too many of them every year. Too many of the the big points hits. That's it. Every year I win races. I'm always really fast. I always get poles, and I always have too many big DNFs or something goes wrong on the um, it's too big of a scale and it just can't seem to and don't believe me i reflect on that a lot and try to understand it the product of the way i race or you know but they're always different stuff so, you know sometimes last year we had a lot of issues in pit lane this year it's, it was brake failure and the car didn't start because of some weird system glitch i mean just random things happen um so yeah i mean uh, but I have not been also very good in qualifying. I'll, I'll say that I have not been good in qualifying. Well, Will, did you come here to Indy to thinking that you're coming home? You've had so much success here. Did you come in confident, at least with that, that feeling that you've done so well here before that you had a shot to do well here again? um well we struggled there in may so i was we took a pretty close look at why and all that so i was, I was actually kind of hoping that we would be competitive which we were and uh you know i think we stumbled across some good stuff that might help us for the rest of the season so um yeah it's it's uh yeah, always good when you're on the pace and not confused because these days it's such a competitive series it's easy to get on the back foot and start second guessing yourself on setup and um, everything really, and and even you, the way you drive. So a good result helps a lot of things. 
you know, well, we cover Formula One as well. And it's so different as a sport in terms of what you're saying, how competitive Indy is. And, you know, in Formula One, maybe four, four guys can potentially win a race. Whereas it just seems to me that the competitiveness of Indy in the last three years with the emergence of the likes of Colton Herder, um, VK, you know, so many other youngsters coming through and they've been on it. Um, you know, the, the older guard, as it were, yourself, Dixon, and a few others uh, are really being pushed by these kids who, who are taking the points that maybe in previous years you could kind not count on, but there, there was just so many different, um, you know, guys who were capable of winning that. Yeah, that's right. You've got, yeah, who's who's even going to guess who's going to win, you know, week in, week out? Who's going to guess? It's, it's anyway, it's just impossible. It's 15 guys who could be on pole, more. More twenty guys, twenty guys in the series are just phenomenal drivers. So it's it's just it's a tough, tough series in that respect. And the parity um, and the level of the teams now—it's all ramped up to this. You know, everyone's the same. Everyone's got the same opportunity. You can go to Dale Coyne and win races, or you can be a Penske and win races. I mean, it's uh, you know, as you see when you see the spread of teammates throughout the field. Sometimes you see Colton on pole and teammates be way down there or you see one of our guys on pong you know all the rest of us are spread out through the field so uh yep tough tough series very very different to formula one very different um yeah just a different deal it's you know formula one's a manufacturer championship i suppose so you know they've got there's just no car the same it's only yeah, they're all different. Every single team is different. Even, even I'm not even sure the cars between. We we know with having a spec car, how hard it is to get all the cars the same. Even though they are the same, you get the same stuff. It just simply is very difficult to have really good uh, quality control. But yeah, Formula One, I I think <laughs> if you're getting paid thirty million dollars, yeah, I guess you could spend a few seasons there. But honestly, if you if, if it was the same pay as IndyCar, you'd certainly pick IndyCar if you want to have a good time and um, have competitive racing and have a chance to win week in, week out. I think Grosjean feels that way. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I mean, he's probably having the best, the most fun he's had since he left GP2. He's probably having the most fun. Like, he's he knows that he has a chance to go in and win week in, week out. And, and the racing's great and all the cars are the same. Like, you're not just going to run around fighting one person all day like which is your teammate and then yeah tough tough gig i mean yeah obviously formula one's a pinnacle of motorsport but uh the way every other series in the world is heading is everything's even everything's the same will i saw you take a selfie with roman grosjean and colton herta at the end I mean, grosjean you're right he, he smiles so much now compared to what he's in formula one have you guys you know, welcomed him into the club at IndyCar? Yeah, I mean, you know, he had a, a reputation for one of, you know, being very aggressive and doing some pretty, um, you know, 50-50 moves. But he's actually, now that he's, you know, legitimately a chance to win week in, week out, he's, I mean, he's a very good driver. He's, he's putting it together very well. Maybe that was just his situation in Formula One, a bit of frustration in there that, you know, he just has never had a chance to win and just dug too deep for everything, for anything he could get. But 
uh, yeah, yeah. I mean, everyone that comes to IndyCar paddock realizes it seems as though it's a much more friendly paddock. But yeah, I, I don't know. I think that probably happens in most series when you, you're racing the same guys for a few years, week in, week out. I mean, you have that kind of respect where, you know, we all respect what each other do, does. And, you know, you can see on the track the, the way we race each other for the most part is pretty respectful, but still very hard. Last point on Groshon, he gets his first oval this Saturday night. Um, I mean, just your thoughts. I remember when you started out uh, having done, you know, uh, Formula, uh, Formula Renault and you came into Indy um, and obviously had to go through that baptism yourself. So how do you think that's going to be? Um, we got to test there. Yeah, I mean, it's a definitely a different discipline. It's, um, yeah, understanding the limit of the car is a lot tougher because you can't run off or spin off or anything without a big accident. So, yeah, it's something you just has to creep up on. And it's a, it's a, it's actually a track that resembles a road course more than most ovals. You do downshift and break into turn one, two. And um, so it has a bit more of that feel. I think, uh, yeah, I think you'll take to it pretty well. It's a pretty... It's not a side-by-side -side sort of race either. It's a very in-line race. You just kind of fall into place and you can't really pass anyone. It's, uh, yeah, it's tough, tough, you know, for to put on a good race there. But it's, um, if you're a rookie, it's probably not a bad thing that you're not going side-by-side -side a lot. And, you know, Iowa would be a different story for someone like him. Very different stories. You know, a lot of degradation. A lot of, like here, it doesn't really dag it. Um, yeah, and it's very difficult to pass. Hey, Will, I want to go back to something. Jonathan was talking about these the new young drivers, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong. You turned 40 this year, and you just won your 40th race. That's got to feel pretty good. Uh, definitely. As hard as, hard as it is to win our race in IndyCar, to have 40 wins is amazing. Um, and to still be winning in my 40s is amazing. Uh, still qualifying the front racing guys that are 20 years younger than me is uh, yeah pretty cool I'm just still loving it and still get very frustrated when I'm not competitive and uh, yeah try to really understand why so yeah it's uh, uh, very very happy and a relief really to win to be 15 and the 15 years in a row now of a, a win a year at least a win a year I think there's only one season where I've one less than two races and now that was in 15 and host so hopefully i can win multiple races this year <laughs> well without going into too much detail i mean i know that um you know like i said you're a senior member now but something that young racing drivers don't tend to talk about because they don't like to to dwell on the negative and they don't want to dwell on a slump potentially but how do you protect do, do you deal with it yourself do you look to other people to help how do you know the wife, whatever it might be, but how do you personally deal with the fact that I mean, every each and every one of you wants to be a winner and are winners, but how do you deal with that situation when you're not the champion? Well, it's been quite a while for me for that. For that, like I haven't been a champion for a long time, so um, I think if you're having a slump, the quicker you get on top of it, the better. The quicker you don't, you know 
start thinking it's bad luck or this or that, that you realize that there are there is some work to do and there is some things that you've got to learn and change, um, the better. You can't dwell on it for long. Uh, you know, it's a bit of a lesson this year. It's the first time I've, I've felt like I've had a true slump of actual performance. And um, yeah, you've still comes down to the same thing. You gotta, you gotta work at it. It's not easy. If it was easy, everyone would win. <laughs> Will, you seem like to me that you're so competitive. I mean, when you're not doing well, I can see the frustration. You can almost see it with a helmet on. I guess we just know you so well that if you're not doing well, you're so frustrated, so competitive. You think that helps stave off some of those mm -hmm. slumps, that you, you've got that fire burning so hot. Oh, I've always said it. You, there's only a handful of people in you know, every sport, not even a handful, it's a couple of people you have that absolute, it's just a little bit extra. And it's all about, it's a, it's a, it's a fire in the belly. It really is. It's, it's a, that just ridiculously strong desire to win and that frustration when you don't, which, yeah, the frustration can be a negative, honestly, but it comes with that personality type. Um, you know, big frustration without results comes with the personality type that wins races and wins championships. It's, um yeah yeah it's uh the best guys in the world in anything business motorsport football whatever it is they all have the same trait they all have that same attitude you know tom brady's the classic example of that mm -hmm. the guy that just seriously puts the work in simple as that and has a, a fierce desire and a bit of a perfectionist bit you know you, it's not ideal for family life and all that, but it's the sacrifice you make if you want to be exceptional at something. Will, you've been really vociferous in the, in the press this last week. You got stuck behind Hinchcliffe for 20 laps. And, you know, there was talk of, you know, you had NASCAR with you and, and there's talk of that lucky dog rule. Uh, and I know you've kind of, you, you, you spent a lot of time talking about it, but just for our viewers, what's the answer uh, effectively? Because you were, I mean, basically, they, as a backmarker, they want to stay on the lead lap, but they're just ruining yeah. the race for you. That's right. The answer is giving um, cars that are a lap down their lap back under yellow. Yep. That's the answer. That's, it's, it's very simple because no one's going to complain about getting their lap back if they're a lap down, and no one's going to complain if there's a blue flag rule because they know they're going to get the lap back and they're not going to fight you. I mean, it's a win-win situation and, uh, and it's an easy solution. So it's certainly something to me that really needs to be talked about in the off-season with IndyCar. I mean, why, why in this competitive field that we have now where you have, you have nine different winners in 11 races and um, uh, 12 races and, and you still got backmarkers fighting the leader. I mean, it's, it's such a mix-up field. We don't need to we don't need to be having any manipulation of races to create action, falsely create action for, for the viewers. I mean, we get enough of that in IndyCar. It's really the most competitive series in the world. So yeah, the answer simply is give those guys a lap back on the yellow, you know? I mean, yeah, simply all of them, not just one lucky dog. It needs to be, just give them their lap back, simple. And we don't have that many yellows, so it's not a big deal. So, Will, 
what about getting ready for this weekend at St. Louis? Are you guys, I mean, you got a particular strategy or what are you guys thinking for this weekend? Yeah, we, um, I mean, all we can do is go off the information that we had last year. Had Scott McLaughlin did test there with a rookie day and um, got a little bit of information there, but we just got, a, got an hour and a half practice. You got to be very quick and efficient with your changes and understand the direction of cars. Not really, you can't really do much on the sim because ovals are so finicky to get the car exactly right with condition and tire and all that stuff. So, um, yeah, very much a track position race. Very much a track position race. What do you, do you mention, Scott? Uh, how do you feel he's got on? Because you know, if you kind of measure him against. Um you know, Jimmy Johnson, and, and maybe that's not a fair comparison, but, I mean, the way he's taken to it uh, and how competitive he's been, um, what, what's your take on how he's getting on? He's he's uh, done about how you would expect someone coming over, especially if you're learning to drive an open-wheel car. Not that he had to... I mean, he raced at a very high level in Australia for a long time, so he was far from a rookie in that respect, uh, you know, as far as the approach you take and. You know, he's not your typical rookie that throws it off a lot and is learning through crashes. I mean, he's he's kept it on the island for the most part. And, um, yeah, he's done well. He's just accumulating experience. He's gone through the typical roller coaster ride you get in the first year of trying to learn something in a series that's really competitive where he gets, you know, he, get, he gets a break and he qualifies in the fast six. He got, I mean, you know, Texas, he got second. Indy Road Course, the first race in May, he qualified in the fast six, you know, top six, which was a big, big game for him. And then, but then, you know, I think he thought that, okay, now I've got that, I'll probably start doing that more often. But it's, it's your typical, you know, first year for someone learning is just a roller coaster ride. You, you struggle to under IndyCar's so the tracks and setups and everything is so different week to week. That if you nail one, you're not going. It, it's not a given that you'll nail the next. They're all mm. such different setups and philosophies, and the way they drive. Some tracks are bumpy with no grip. Some tracks are bumpy with grip. Some are super smooth um, with a heap of grip. Some are ovals. Some are super speedways. It's such a mixed bag that it's it is tough to get the whole package right. Like from what I've seen, you know, an actual true rookie coming in. It really takes them three, even four years to become an absolute contender, you know, become someone that you can count on to be in the championship. Hey, speaking of Scott and bumps, did you talk to him about him going airborne towards the beginning? That was, that was great television. Yeah, it wouldn't have been great for his back, but <laughs> um, yeah, that was a big move right there. He just bailed straight over the curve. <laughs> oh my god uh yeah. hey well will i know we heard family when you first came on we're gonna let you go but i gotta ask you we got what is it three or four races left and what do you what you think your next best chance to win again uh this weekend i led a lot of, a lot of laps last year i was very frustrated that i ended up i think second or third but i think it's third um after leading so many laps so definitely have a shot really for the rest of the season. There's all good tracks for me and it's just a matter of putting it together.
Well, we sure miss you guys here in Austin. I wish that that you guys could come back here, but we uh, we do love watching the sport. So we appreciate your time today, and congratulations again on the win. Excellent. Thank you. Thank you very much. Thanks, Will. Regards to the family. Thank you. Yeah, uh, you know, it's not every day you can compare yourself to uh, Tom Brady, but I think Will Power can do that. And, and legitimate at that. Yes. And legitimately, you know, he, he had a poll this weekend. So that's his 63rd poll, just four behind the record of 67 set by none other than Mario Andretti. So, yeah, and what, he come in third this this uh, yesterday, Jonathan? Yep, uh, third on Saturday night at the Oval, yep. And what a great race that was, guys. Didn't y'all? I mean, that was a yeah. fantastic IndyCar race. I, I love that on a Saturday night like that. Under the lights, it was awesome. And Grosjean? Yeah. And, uh, and, and Gro yeah, I was about to say, and what about uh, Grosjean? Talk about a new lease on life. He was overtaking people on the high side. <laughs> and even his spotter was like, whoa, go, 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 go. <laughs> yeah. it, you know, it's funny. You know, he talked about he wasn't going to do ovals right after the big crash in F1 last year. He was not going to do ovals after he decided to go to Indy. And and you could tell at the beginning of the race and in qualifying, he was a little tentative. But it didn't take, I guess, what, maybe halfway. And all of a sudden, Grosjean was just tearing it up. He got on a tear there. He passed what, like, he, he moved up like six positions or something at one point, almost in a row. Mm-hmm. Really impressive. And McLaughlin remains, to me, an incredible phenomenon, the way he's taken to it. Well, guys, we've got about five minutes left in the show. I want to talk about, we haven't talked about, you know, we, we talked about Austin and now the possibility of a second race. And, and just so if you're listening and you don't know how serious this is, you know, about a month ago or so, maybe a little less than a month ago, the F1 website, F1 Experiences, which is the official travel website of Formula One, showed the Texas Grand Prix on their website. So this is more than a rumor. Now, the problem is we're still dealing with COVID. In other words, the, the U.S. Grand Prix and the Texas Grand Prix. Exactly. So we have the U.S. Grand Prix, which is scheduled for October 24th on Sunday. And then the 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 real, the, the rumor is, is that it's the week before. So it'd be October 17th. And so this is more than a rumor. And had we not had a big spike in COVID, I think there probably be would have been an announcement, an official announcement by now. And, you know, we had the Japanese Grand Prix just canceled and, you know, just furthering the fact that they need more races. But um, we do have uh, we talked about it last Sunday night, and that is we do have the uh, in fact, our producer, I think he can show pop it up on the screen again. Yeah, he's got it now where we got the covid numbers in Austin where they had they had dipped a little bit last week and they spiked a little bit, but they've dipped again. They you know, it's way too early to call a trend. It's not good. I wish we had seen continued dip, you know, continued downward spike. But it's still very, very possible that this happens because what we had ACL announced this week, Jonathan, right? They are going to continue. And yep, ACL are doing both their weekends starting in October, the same weekend as MotoGP is supposed to be here. And they have said that uh, you will need to show form, uh, a form of vaccination or uh, have had a negative uh, COVID test within 72 hours, so they are taking a responsible attitude towards it. Uh, it's the same weekend as MotoGP, so again, uh, I'm very interested to see what the Circuit of the Americas stroke those both MotoGP and Formula One will insist on. Uh, it's important uh, for it to go ahead, um, and yeah, we're, we're, you know, the jury's out, so to speak. Okay, well, here's a little anecdotal evidence: is that I have uh, 
this weekend, I had to get out and about. I had to go get some tools. I had to go get some uh, supplies and stuff. We were working on my car this weekend, me and my son, and uh, stopped and picked up some food. And everywhere I went, it was 100% or 95% mask up people here in Austin. And look, I, I don't want to go into the political side of it, but if the masks work, we're going to see a continued downward trend. And if that happens, if we continue to see downward, I think this is going to happen. I am Mr. Glass half full, but still, uh, I think if it ha- so, if it continues, that it'll happen. So, will that mean that Billy Joel will play two weekends and we'll get his full catalog? <laughs> yeah, maybe so. That is a good question. What's going to happen? That who's going to be the concert <laughs> for the weekend? We don't know what's going to happen. That for the it's by the way, it's called. It was called on the F1 Experiences website when it was up for a matter of hours. I think the Texas Grand Prix. That would have been that that's that that weekend. So we'll see what that happens. And that's like a whole nother country. <laughs> it is. It is like well, a whole one other. thing I know it's gonna be big. <laughs> well, I uh I, I definitely think that if we continue this path that we'll get it. But hey, we had a couple of the most stories that we wanted to get in. We just have about a, a minute left. Actually, we got time for one more story. Jonathan, did you have one more? Oh, yeah, the, the numbers uh, are ESPN. I want to pick up on what uh ESPN was, uh, sorry, ESPN hoping to extend U.S. Formula One rights deal, which was a a strange headline because what does that mean? It was like a non-story. But once I dived into it, it said that uh, in June, six races of the 23, ESPN's ratings averaged 900,000, and that's up 50% from 2020 and up 36% from 2019. So Formula One figures in this country, and we're we're helping it on the radio side, but on the TV side, uh, the French Grand Prix, over a million viewers. And that's never happened in this country. So it's growing, the interest in Formula One. And if Andretti no. gets involved, who knows? Yeah, if Andretti gets involved. Yeah, that's it. Exactly right. That's what we need. Uh, well, speaking of helping on the radio side, if you don't know, we do the Formula One pre-race and post-race before the official broadcast on national radio, before the before and after the play-by-play that's done by the BBC, if you want to Listen to that every Sunday. We got Bob Varsha helping us out with that. That is, uh, go to our website, speedcitybroadcast.com, to find out how to listen to that. But thanks, everybody, for tuning in. Thanks to Price Cobb. Thanks to Will Power. And of course, we will talk to you next Sunday. Ciao, y'all. Have a everyone, Boomer Esiason here. The NFL Draft is behind us, and your favorite team is now gearing up for week number one. The free Odyssey app puts you right in the middle of the pro football conversation with the biggest sports radio stations from across the country. The local voices who know your team the best, giving you their unfiltered takes on the current state of your squad. It's always football season right here on the free Odyssey app.